message this morning, Psalm 91. The title of our message is Dwelling in the Shelter of the Most High God. Dwelling in the Shelter of the Most High God. Listen as I read Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On, the, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the, on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will, be, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray briefly and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Oh, our Father, what a, what a privilege it is to be in your house this morning and to be with your people, this gathering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would already begin to be working in our hearts, in our minds, that we would have understanding in the things of God. The children, the young people, the older people, all of us, Lord, may hear what you have to say to us from your word. And I pray, Father, that you would give us humility and and faith before your word. And we pray that at at the end, our hearts will have a peace of God that passes all understanding. We pray through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As I begin this morning, I have to admit that sometimes I'm having to use some other glasses. So if you see me using the other glasses, I appreciate your patience. As we come an introduction this morning, uh, maybe more than anything that I'll say throughout the rest of this message, maybe this first paragraph is maybe the most important. As you come here to the Lord's house this morning, maybe some of you come with pressure and with uh, discouragement, uh, with pain in your heart. Uh, Things have not gone maybe the way that you have thought they should be. And you're here in his house and and you're before the Lord and you're you're asking him to speak uh, to you from his word. 
Well, let me encourage you this morning as a child of God that there can be no safer place in all the world than to dwell in the hands of God, your heavenly father. There can be no safer place in all the world than to dwell in the hands of God, your heavenly father, to be in his almighty care. And it's a mystery, isn't it? For those of us that have walked with God uh, quite a while, it's a mystery Yet we who know him through Jesus Christ by faith this morning can testify that in suffering and that in difficulty and that in pain and that even in prosperity, that we would rather we would rather be dwelling in him than left alone to our own safety and to our own strength and to our own way. Because when we're when we're in our own way, when we're going in the way of this of self, all it is is destruction, it's pain, it's hardship and it's and it and it only leads to very bad consequences. The Septuagint actually translates this first verse as he who dwells in the help of God. And if you're a child of God this morning, that's what you're doing. You are dwelling, you are living in the help of God. Here in Psalm 91, the psalmist who might be David but we're not given the altar author is telling us that that our spiritual life, our vitality is to be found in God and in God alone. And, and you might you might be thinking in your mind that this has to do with fellowship with God and communion with God and prayer to God and obedience to God, that everything in this this psalmist life and everything in our life, we're a Christian should be about our relationship with him, our covenant God. And yet. If we think about ourselves, we ask ourselves the question, where am I living? Where am I dwelling? Where am I getting the help that I need? As I, as I have thoughts throughout the week, as I'm in the car, as I'm in my bed, or, or as I'm on my way to work, in my secret most place of my soul, where am I living? And for some of us, that's in Jesus Christ, that's in God, our Heavenly Father, that's in the shadow of the Almighty, And for some of us here this morning, it's not in God. It's not in Christ. And my hope and my prayers as I'm preaching this message that you would begin to see that there is no other place for you to dwell. There's no other place for you to abide. There's no other place for your whole self and soul to rest than in God, our Heavenly Father. But again, for those of us that are children of God through Christ, the place where we dwell is communion with him. This new relationship that we have by faith in Jesus Christ, that's for all the people of God. If you're a new believer this morning, you've only been a Christian like one day or three days or or a week. You have the same fellowship. You have the same dwelling place as David or or Charles Spurgeon or or whoever you would put uh, in that particular uh, fill in the blank. We abide in him and he abides in us. And so as we dig into this psalm a little bit this morning, we'll begin to think deeply about our communion and about our fellowship with God, even in the face of suffering. And my prayer for us as we go through some of the verses of this psalm, that it will cause you to trust and to entrust yourself into God's hands even more, to lean more into him, much like Jacob leaned into the angel, resigning by faith, and even a joyful resigning of yourself uh, into the goodwill of the Lord, consecrating yourself and committing everything unto him. So for the psalm, if we break the psalm up, I'd like to look at the psalm in, in four big parts. And I know it's a long psalm, 
And I know that I'm not supposed to preach till like 1230 or <laughs> anything like that. My dad used to say that he had a, a member in one of his churches who sat along the aisle. And when it got to 12 o'clock, the guy would throw it out his arm like, like he was fishing and bring the clock back in to make sure that my dad knew uh, the time. So don't you worry. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't intend. But I want us to, to seriously and, and lovingly go before the Lord and look at these four points. A general statement about God's care, verse 1. A personal statement and application of God's care, verse 2. Sharing this truth to another, verses 3 through 4, 3 through 14. And God's statements to strengthen, verses 14 through 16. And we'll probably spend most of our time on this first point, but we'll see how it goes. So a general statement of God's care in verse 1. And in this verse... He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, if you're looking at it. I think there are four things that we need to understand as we're looking at this verse. So four things, you kids, four things that we want to try to look at. And they're not too hard to follow if you begin to really look at that verse. So let's look at four things. Let's look at the man. Let's look at the place. Let's look at the condition. And let's look at the God. Okay, you with me? Let's look at the man. Let's look at the place. Let's look at the condition. And let's look at the God in this verse. And this verse is such a rich verse. And for those that are here this morning who've walked with God, you, you probably have come back to it again and again. It's, a, it's one of those, I guess you call them fire verses or fighting verses for, for your church. This is one of them um, for your heart. Now, as we look at the, the words that we have in front of us, what the, what the writer, what the psalmist does as he begins this psalm is he states for us a truth. That's the first thing he does. He just brings before us a truth, a doctrine, something that, that is a non-negotiable. It's a given. Um, I wrote in my notes, it's a verily, verily, or a truly, truly, much like the Lord Jesus when, when he was speaking during his ministry. It's a fact. So that's how the psalmist just begins. This is a fact. If you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then you abide under the shadow. And I think you can even see I have a bit of a shadow right here that's, that's over here. You abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So it's a given. So let's look at these points real, together. First of all, it's, let's look at the man. Now, I want you to notice that it's just he here. He. It, it's, there are no conditions it's not the learned, it's not the, the, the super spiritual, it's not the elite, it's not the sophisticated, it's not the educated, but it's that person instead who's realized that he must have shelter and care in God and in God alone. It's the man who, who's, and the, or the woman who said that everything else can't satisfy, can't be relied upon, can't be rested upon, everything else will just collapse. And so this is the he of this verse. It's God alone that I'm going to completely rely on, this person says. And we're going to find more about this person as we continue on this verse. But it's just a very bland. And if you're a child of God this morning, it's not like this verse is just for certain elite believers, certain marine believers, or I'm not sure what it is in the Air Force or, or in other military, but I, I'm not. Anyway, you know where I'm going there. It's not just for the best. 
right? You know, th- this is a verse for the best. And then everybody else, well, you know, we can be like from here to over there on, for the Lord's presence and shelter and help. But, but no, this is, this is for all of God's people. There are no conditions. Amen. And I pray that that will just encourage you this morning that you can know right where you are, at the kitchen table, at the workplace, right? At the workplace, in the car, driving a truck across this highway. You can know the dwelling, the shelter, the shadow of the Almighty. All right, so that's the first one. So it's a man. So it's you and me. It's a believer. In this case, it's the, it's the covenant, uh, uh, the man of the covenant, the man who believes in the covenant as he looks forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. And now for us in the new covenant, as we look back upon the finished work of Christ, it's that person. It's not a person who's got super righteousness is what I'm trying to say or some kind of status, but it's because of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I've got to share this with you this morning. It's not in my notes, but I believe it was just coming to my mind. We have this type of fellowship, dear church, this morning because Jesus went to the cross and he was abandoned by the father where he cried, my God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? And that mystery on the cross he was forsaken and he was despised. And he, he cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And so he was rejected. And so now we are not rejected, but through Christ, we have this kind of fellowship where we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But he, but he had to have the face turned away. You've got access to this. This was purchased for you. It's yours as a child of God. Satan says, don't go. Don't go to the Father. But Jesus says, Come. And I'll give you rest. So it's the man. But then I want you to think a little bit about this place, this place. And so what, what God the Holy Spirit does is he says, you and me, we're tired, we're, we're busy people. And so instead of just giving a lot of, and don't take me wrong, a lot of theological words, I know what I'll do. I'll give them pictures that even the youngest kid can follow or the or the tiredest mind can hold on to on a rough day. I'll use words like shelter and abide and shadow, which everybody can can grasp and think about. And so the first thing as we think about the place is dwelling in the shelter. Now, for those of you that are, again, some of you that have been around uh, a long time, uh, the old King James used secret place. And you'll probably still hear me say secret place. I have tried to re-memorize this verse with dwelling. It never gets back in my mind. It always goes back to secret place. And that is the sense of the Hebrew word too. So I'm doing good there. But um, the idea, he who dwells in the secret place. And the Hebrew word is sether, okay? This word here, it's a precious word. It means a place of covering. It means a cover, okay? It means hiding place that cannot be found. You kids probably have some hiding places, don't you? That you think like nobody will find out like in maybe some uh, wood area outside of, of, of your property where you go and you build a fort. It's a hiding place that cannot be found. <clears throat> in 1 Samuel 19 verse 2, Jonathan says to David, stay in the secret place and hide yourself. And so it's a secret place. <clears throat> it can also even be like the secret place of the womb in a, in a mother. It has the idea of secrecy. Where no one knows. Listen to these three texts from the Psalms. 
Psalm 27, verse 5 for, he, 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Psalm 31, verse 20, in the cover of your presence, you hide me from the plots of men. You store them in, sh- you store them in shelter from the strife of tongues. And as you're hearing this, you're probably thinking of David and how he was traveling from place to place when Saul was after him. And he would he would be able to hide in these caves and hide in these secret places. And and, you know, like like David would be heading like maybe out the back door of our church and Saul would be coming in the front door. And somehow David was just able to hide as he was in God. And Psalm 32, verse seven, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So we think about this idea of where do we dwell? Where's our place? Now, let me give you another illustration. If you were to come up to me and you were to say to me, Stephen, where do you dwell? I would say, that's kind of a strange question to ask me where you dwell. But if you said to me, where do you live? Ah, now that's a different question, right? And I would say, I'll tell you where I live. I live in Graham, North Carolina. And usually people, most people, um, say, where's Graham? Because <laughs> I don't know where Graham is, you know. Uh, maybe you live in a, a small town around here in Goldsboro that's like that. Maybe Goldsboro's bigger than Graham or smaller. I don't know, uh, okay. But people don't have a clue where it is. So then I have to say, well, I live near Burlington or I live near Raleigh, and then people tend to know where I live. But the idea when I tell you that I live in Graham is not that I visited Graham or it's a place I like to go, like the beach or Boone or something like that. But it's where I have permanency. It's where I've lived for 14 years on 2421 Chartwell Lane with Lori and the kids uh, when the kids were out on the on, playing on the cul-de-sac, the cul-de-sac kids, we call them, you know, and that's where I physically dwell. That's where I live. That's where my possessions are. That's where my family is. That's where so many things have happened right there at that place. That's where I live. Well, that's what the psalmist is trying to say. That's where the the abiding in the shelter of the Most High, that's where we live. That's where we dwell. That's where we do business. That's our our place. That's that's what's about us as individuals. It's that way in the the spiritual realm. It's kind of like like if you think of, of if maybe you're kayaking down a river, and you look over and you see like this rocky uh, area where maybe it's, it's, it's pushed in just a little bit and you could, you could go under there and rain or wind would protect you. So it's the dwelling place, the, the shelter of the Most High. And then what is the condition? We've looked at the man, we've looked at the place, but what is the condition? Well, the condition is that this person, this man who has a relationship with God He is abiding under God's shadow. He's abiding under God's presence. And the idea of abiding has the idea to rest in, to just be quiet under. And it has the idea of protection. It has the idea of influence. Um, It has the idea of of being kept even like from heavy rain that might be upon us. And here's where we dwell. Here's where this person, here's where this child of God dwells. And when we begin to think about the shadow of the Most High, we can begin to think of the shadow of his presence, the power of thinking about that we have the glorious and radiance, radiant presence of God that we can dwell in. 
The idea of the shadow has the idea of God's power. That God's power is so close at hand that it can, that that power that created the world and that raised Jesus from the dead, that has all heavens in, in his hands. Did you look last night? Was it last night or the night before? And all the stars that were up in the heavens. That's God's power. We're, we're under the shadow of this God's protection. This God who created all things in his power. The other thing that this idea of the shadow makes us think about is that it shows his great threat to the enemy. Have you thought about that? That we're under the shadow of God, that God is protecting us from the enemy, protecting us from the, from the evil one, protecting us from distress and harm. Have you thought about in the life of Job, how much of Job's life, how all of Job's life rather was, was in the palm of God's hand and nothing happened that went through the purpose of of God. And then finally, the, the shadow shows that the Lord is very close. I mean, if, if, I, if I have my shadow just cast down, or maybe on this young man right here, I'm very close to him, just right near, just close by, not far. And that just speaks to us, doesn't it? That, that even the faintest cry or prayer from our heart to God, he's hearing that faint cry, and he's listening, and he's acting on our behalf as his people. So we have the man, uh, we have the place, we have this, this, this special presence. And then I want you to think about how the psalmist describes God himself. He says that he is the most high, that is the loftiest, the most supreme, the ruler over all the universe. And then he uses the word almighty, Shaddai there. And so all of these words are coming together <clears throat> to, to speak of God's great power, his, um, his incomprehensibleness over all of our troubles and fears and creation and the devil and death and sin and everything, which is made clear throughout the rest of the psalm. It's a secret place of strength to be with our God, safe and secure in his place. And if we're hidden in him, there's nothing that's stronger or better or more powerful or that can overcome him. We're safe. And we're safe there because the Lord has brought us into this safe spot so that we may be protected and we may, where, we, where we may be cared for. <clears throat> now, the application, as you can tell, dear believer, this morning is for you. You are safe in the Lord. This morning, you are you're safe in his hand. You're safe in the almighty. Say that to your soul. I need to say that to my soul. My God is almighty. I'm safe in his care. I'm safe in his protection. I believe his word to me in my weary and in my downcast soul. My father's care is round me there. He holds me so I cannot fall to him. I leave it all. I'm safe with him. Everything that is in my life is, is in his sovereign control and care. And I don't want anyone else to, to be in my life or to lead my life but you, dear God. Maybe for those of you that are children this morning, you can trust the Lord and his care for you. You can give to him your, your fears. You can sing with the little song that we used to teach our kids. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Do you remember the little song, God can do anything, 
anything. God can do anything but what? But fail. It's true. Satan's whispering in our lives is not true. Look at that hardship in your life. Look at that sorrow that you're bearing. But the scripture tells us even in the New Testament that this momentary and light affliction is doing what? It's working for us an eternal weight of glory. And it's just a little bit longer, dear believer. It's just a couple more days. It's just a couple more moments. It's maybe another year. Maybe it's another 10 years. And we will go to be with the Lord. And then it will be done. No pain, no sorrow, no crying, no tears. The former things, what? Passed away. And behold, all things will be made new. Now you say, you say, really? Really, Stephen, are there are there other places in the scripture that would that would say this too to my soul? Could you tell me a few more of these dear promises of God? Oh, yeah, I can tell you one. John 10, verse 27. My sheep do what? They hear my voice and I know them and they come unto me and I give unto them eternal life. And what? No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. Now, brethren, we've got to get hold of it. And I've got to get hold of it that nothing, none of these troubles, none of these sorrows that will come into our life. Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world can separate us from him, can pluck us out of the father's hand. My dad, my dad, my dad, I can remember preaching one time. He said, he said, it's like a penny and it's, it's in this hand. And that's Jesus' hand, and that's you, and, and you clutch it. And then there's this other hand, and it's clutched like this. And you're secure, you're safe in the Father's hand. And maybe throughout this week, you just look down at your hand and think, I'm in the hand of God, I'm in the hand of Christ. You say, well, is there more? Oh, yeah, there's more. Romans 8, verse 36 and following. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. And that's because he set the love on us first. He put the seal on us. He changed our heart. He chose us out of the miry pit and of the of the clay, right? You were pulled out of the clay. You didn't pull yourself out of that clay. That ditch was too deep. You couldn't get out of that ditch. You couldn't get out of that hole. You couldn't get out of your sin. I couldn't get out of my sin. Your self-righteousness or whatever other your sins were and your sin nature, you were just too bad. You were too, you were without hope, you were without God in the world. You were dead. But then what happened? This love of God through Jesus Christ, through the gospel preached in a sermon, through a tract passed out, through through witnessing, whatever, pulled you up out of that and set you upon a rock. It set you here in the shelter of the Most High. And that's where you are. No matter what the devil says, no matter what your, your discouraged heart says, and no matter what the pressures say, and no matter what the world says, There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ because of his love. And it it was made certain on the cross. He that what? Spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not what? With him freely give us all things. I couldn't speak with this kind of authority, except it is the authority of the word of God. I'm just saying out the word of God. Now, I'm not saying to you that I always believe this and trust this and hold on to this as I ought. But it is true. Because God has said it. Paul recounts other uh, situations and circumstances and hardships that he uh, underwent. In 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 11, ways in which he was beaten and thrown into prison and all the difficulties that he faced. And yet he could still say and shout loudly, 
I am in the shelter of the Most High. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. I think some of us this week, we've had the bombarding accusations and threats and fears and worries and, and, and attacks of the evil one. So we need the, the word of God. As one old Scottish minister said, choke the mouth of Satan with the bread of the word of God. And so may we be able to do that because sometimes we can feel very exposed and defeated and we forget, as Elisha told the servant, there are more there are more that are with us than are with them. So that's our first. This is the, just the statement that the psalmist makes. Now you can see, as I can see in your faces, how it begins to bring life and how it begins to bring spiritual health and vitality and how it begins to make us stand up straight. And so what does the psalmist do in verse two? Well, he, he makes this personal statement of trust in God. I mean, if that's true, then the psalmist must respond. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It just bursts out of his soul, kind of like one of those doxologies, the Apostle Paul. Wow, it's true for me. I respond to this great truth. I apply this truth to my situation. I stand on the security of, of the believer from the word of God. I trust. I don't worry. I believe. I don't have fear. I'm not disconnected from God. I, I'm, I'm connected to God. I'm with God. I'm not fretting. I'm calmly trusting. I am resting in his peace and in his presence. And so we have some particulars here of this uh, verse. First of all, we have some personal uh, a, per, a few personal remarks and then some practical remarks. First of all, let's notice the personal remarks of the psalmist. <clears throat> I will say to the Lord. Now that's his personal remark. <clears throat> I've got to say something to the Lord. I've got to have this just come out of my mouth. It's got to flow out of my mouth to the Lord. I will say, I will say. And then the second thing is, well, what is he going to say? Well, he, he wants to just tell the Lord some of the ways in which he's so true. He wants to say, Lord, you're my refuge. You're the, you're the place that keeps me from being drenched by the rain and from the danger that can come upon me. Oh, Lord, you're my fortress. That is, you're a fort that's completely protected, that's, in, that's entirely safe from any of the enemy. It's fortified. It's secure. I, I want to say that you're my God. And in you and I trust everything that I need is in God. He is God is spirit. Those of you kids who learned the catechism, right? God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's my God. I want to proclaim him. I want to trust in him. I want to believe in him. I do believe in him. Now, listen, listen to me carefully. Some of us can feel like that, can't we? That we're just drenched, as it were, by the rain. And, and it's like the danger and the lightning is just coming upon us. And we hear that, that thunder that scares us. I remember being on a hike with some friends and we had climbed up, uh, I don't know, Peaks of Otter or one of those kind of hiking places. And we got to the top and the storm began to come. And they're like these 
big thunders and this this lightning that was attacking. And we were trying to find what? We were trying to plant a place of refuge. We had our little ponchos on and we're getting drenched by the rain. We're running down uh, the mountain. And some of us feel like that often in our life. You feel drenched and soaked by the weight of your sin and your trouble. But the Lord, dear believer, is the one to whom you can run and you can find refuge. But there's some of you here in this room this morning, and you're lost and you're outside of Christ, and you've been listening to me to this point in the message. Now listen to me. Listen, please, for just a minute. There there are these troubles and and there are these hardships in your life, and your sin is beating you down daily. It is. It's beating you down. You try to reform your life. You try all these different methods and ways and spiritualism. I remember one man used to have, when he was diagnosed with something, he had a lucky rock in his pocket that he would rub the lucky rock. And finally, the Holy Spirit did actually show him that 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 was worthless. And he was able to see his need for Christ. But anyway, this trouble is, is upon you like heavy rain that seems never to stop. And yet here you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are in this room. But you're here in the Lord's house. And you're hearing the gospel again from me. You're hearing that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That he is the hope for you. For someone just like you. That he's the Lord. That he's the refuge. That he's the shelter. And you see that there is, there is a place of refuge and shelter. And you, you would even have to say to me, Stephen, I've contemplated running to that place of shelter. I've, I've contemplated just, just throwing myself upon the Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to, re- to take away my sins and repent and believe in him. But, but I just, I'm just not worthy. I, 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 need to, I need to do some more reform or, or I, I need to kind of get a few good works that, that I can bring up to Jesus. But no. No, no. What he says to you is, come, come unto me. He says to you, ask and it shall be given and seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be open unto you. He says to you this morning, come unto me, believing in me and repenting of your sins. He says to you, receive me, rest upon me, lay down your your arms, your, your, your rifles, your, your, all that, that is part of who you are and live in me and rest down on me and receive my salvation. There was a story one time of a captain who was, was on this ship and he was, the ship was going on and the, one of the first mates came up to the captain and said, Captain, uh, there's a man overboard. We need to turn the ship around so we can try to, to get, get some help to him. The captain said, we can't turn the ship. Then another one of the uh, mates came up. But captain, captain, he said, it's your brother that's fallen overboard. <clears throat> the captain said, let's turn the ship. Let's turn the ship. And so the captain turns the ship. <clears throat> and as the story goes, it's the story behind send out the song, Send Out the Lifeline. The captain throws out the lifeline to his brother. And he calls out. Do you have the lifeline? And the brother calls back, no, the lifeline has got a hold on me. Oh, dear sinner this morning, let the lifeline hold onto you and be pulled up and in to the ship 
of God's safety, to the, to the shadow of the Almighty, to the shelter of the Most High, to the refuge that is God. And you will find peace and rest for your soul because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Amen, people of God. Amen. They'll tell you, everybody here will tell you. They won't say that every day has been the easiest day, but they'll say every day the Lord's been with me. He's strengthened me. He's helping me. And I'm just a little closer to heaven. And oh, I don't want those sins back. I don't want those nasty thoughts back. I don't want those accusations back. I'm so thankful that there's a powerful Holy Spirit that's come into my heart, that's lit the flame. And though there there may be things that try to put out the flame, that flame can't be put out. Why? Because it's God's flame that's been set within us. He's taken out the what? The heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I'm not going back. Like the old song says, no turning back, no turning back. And so someone here today, just just one more moment in your conscience, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And those who come to him, he won't he won't cast out. He'll receive you. He has received others. He's calling you right now. Won't you come and come into the shelter of the refuge of the grace of God? He went to the cross on Calvary. He suffered and he bled and he died. Christ Jesus did. And then he rose again on the first day. And he sits at the Father's right hand. Oh, there are measurable riches in Jesus Christ. And there's eternal life. Right? There's only two. There's only going to be two types of life. Eternal life or eternal damnation. So, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive life. So you see the psalmist, he's excited And we're excited, aren't we? Though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is what? It's being renewed day by day. It's being stirred up day by day. It's been stirred up again. And so now what the psalmist wants to do as we finish out is he wants to share some other truths, some truths to another believer. And we find those truths in verses 3 through 13. There's just more promises. It's It's like those of you kids who like to go to the beach, I don't know if you like to go to the beach. I love to go to the beach. It's one of my favorite places to go. But unfortunately, except for the first couple of years when Joseph and myself and the family went to Holden Beach, that's our favorite beach, by the way, um, there haven't really been very many good shells. But don't you like it when they're just, you kids, when there's just all these great shells all over the um, beach and you can just pick them up, especially the big ones? Well, it's kind of like that here. There's just lots and lots of promises. And so what the psalmist does in these next verses is he's just going to show how the Lord takes great care of his people. And he's going to use a lot of Old Testament pictures to talk about this type of care so that it might minister to us. It's very much like the promises that we see in Romans chapter 8. And so let me just highlight a couple of them for you real quickly from verses 3 through 14. He talks about the snare of the fowler. That is those traps that are made for little birds and that you'll be and that you can be rescued. The devil puts out those traps. Right. And and we we think we're going to step into that trap and it's going to clamp right down onto us. And before we get up on it, God causes that trap to close in and we're able to pass 
to the other side. Deadly pestilence, things like diseases and pandemics and other things. The Lord can rescue us and help us. Terror by night, arrows that fly by day, pestilence that walks in the darkness, destruction that's in the noonday, multitudes dying. The, the psalmist goes through all these different circumstances, and he says that ultimately the child of God is kept safe because he has eternal life, because he's going to be with God forever and ever. So there's lots more promises. Um, you could take time to meditate on verse 4 about being covered with his pinions and underneath his wings of shelter. How loving is God to use these pictures for us that we can easily understand? And even in verse 4, how he's even willing to, to use the picture of a bird to explain himself to our weak and finite minds. Finally, in verses 14 through 16, the Lord gives us even more promises. He says he'll give us deliverance. He says that he'll answer our prayer. He says that he'll give us his presence. And he says that he'll show us long life and he'll show us salvation. Let me try to wrap my thoughts up here with an illustration. (coughs) This past Wednesday... Uh, we had small group um, fellowship meal and prayer time. <clears throat> and I lead our small group um, for my, what's called the Graham, <laughs> Graham group. <clears throat> and we usually go around the room and each family begins to share prayer requests and needs that that particular family has. And then a brother will pray for two families. That's kind of how we do it. And as we were going around the room, each family, as you know, began to share. Some shared about family members who were in nursing homes. Some shared about unconverted children that were heavy on their heart. Some shared about individual um, personal struggles and trials. One shared about an unconverted daughter that remains hostile to those parents. And so the prayer requests just, they kept unfolding. They kept unfolding. And as I was thinking about those prayer requests, and you can probably think of others that you have in your small group prayer, and I was thinking about this psalm, it made me go to Romans chapter 8 to get the New Testament version of what we were just saying in all those different circumstances. And so I'd like you to turn there. As we close this morning, (coughs) Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Because what I began to see was that those brethren were were really sharing some of the things that the Apostle Paul is going to share and give to us in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What about tribulation? As we went around that room... There were people who were going through some tribulations. But you know what their testimony was? I want to pray. I want to seek God in this tribulation. How about distress? That's a nice general word for just all kinds of stuff. I bet if we were to go around the room and have a prayer time, we would have a lot of distress. How about persecution? Now, maybe maybe there are some in here who face persecution. We heard of a Chinese pastor recently who they're not letting them meet. 
So this is this group's way too big. They were coming in to the meeting place, saying you can't meet. So they're having to do like online or or try to meet in small groups. The landlord says you can't meet. Persecution. What about famine? Could that separate us from God? What if we don't have any food? Maybe we just we have no more food. Or could we still be abiding in the shadow of the Almighty? We didn't have food. Well, you can see we see we're starting to get some. Yeah, we're starting to hear some. How about nakedness? That'd be so embarrassing, wouldn't it? But if we were in that condition in a in a prison cell, would God be different? Would the love of God? Would God? Could we have that fellowship with the Lord? Remember Corey Ten Boone. Corey Ten Boom, remember how she was in that one particular place where there were all those, what was it, um, was it lice? So the guards just didn't go in there. And so in there, they had Bible study, and God was with them. How about danger? How about sword? Then ben Paul says, he says what? He says, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're like sheep, <laughs> just like at the slaughter. All kinds of things, right? I think we could include in there health issues and Hip replacements. My father just went through hip replacement. I never had a clue, you guys. Now, it wasn't my hip replacement. It was my dad's. But, but I learned a little bit about what that's like and the pain and the difficulties. But the Bible says, no, and all these things were more than conquerors. You say, well, I've got some other things that might separate. What about death? You know, one of the things I didn't share with you in our testimony of Grace Reformed is that one of our pastors... Pastor Bob Prentice did die from COVID in 2020, December the, December the 20th, 20, 2020, right before worship, we got a text. But that has not separated Carol, his wife, from God's love and God's care. It, it didn't, it didn't, it, 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 it was hard and it hurt and on and on you can go and there's so much pain, but death couldn't do it, right? Because it's God's hold on us. Right? What about life? Things in our life? What about spiritual powers like angels or rulers? And then you say, you know how our mind goes? Well, how about things that are happening right now? And then we get those taken care of. Well, what about the things that might come? And boy, that can really that can really nail us, can it? No, Paul says. How about just power? So we get those erased, and then our mind says, okay, what about if we go up height, something height, something way up high, but God's presence is even above the heavens of the heavens, right? So no, okay, we'll go down. How about the depth? No. Hmm. What's left? Any other created thing? Huh, that means it's created. This means outside of creation. So then we're left with what? Nothing. Paul says, I am sure, I'm convinced. No, the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> it's Crossway Church, right? Right. I was, I've been saying it differently in my prayers. So I want to be sure. Crossway Church, you're secure in the love of God of your Heavenly Father. You abide in him. He has the hold on this church. As the head of the church, Christ Jesus. And he has the hold on your life, dear believer. Whatever it is, trust him. Say, well, I'm having a hard time. 
I know you are. So I hope that just this little, this little drink of cold water for today will bring you to the next promise. We'll bring you to the next oasis. We'll bring you to the next, um, what was it in Pilgrim's Progress, where he would just kind of rest a little bit. Not sleep, that's bad, <laughs> but, but rest and then go on as you make your way to the celestial city. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for opening up our hearts to your word and to your truth. Please bless this church. Please help this church. Please strengthen this church. Please use this church. Help them to be founded upon the rock. Help them to know a greater sense of the presence and power of God uh, in in their corporate ministry and in their individual ministry. Lord, we look out over this community. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So use our dear brethren here and may Christ receive great, great glory. We thank you for being with us this morning. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.